Let's begin with prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the work that you have done on our behalf. Thank you that we can come to you, that we can, that we can find peace, that we can have peace no matter what because of who you are, because of what you've done. We thank you for this time together. We pray that we make much of you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4 this morning. I uh, always enjoy the time uh, being able to come and to worship with you guys, to share God's Word with you. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. We're going to be in John chapter 4 this morning as you make your way there. Let me ask you, how many of you have you've ever been really thirsty? Just throw your hand up. You've ever been really thirsty? Okay. So, so most of you, right? That's this. That's something that we have to do. I read that you can, you can live a number of weeks, weeks, without eating anything, but you can only live a few days without water. It's because it's just so essential to our bodies being able to function the way that they do. Now, when I've asked you if you've ever been thirsty, for some of you. That's, uh, you came in here from wherever you came from, and you need a cup of coffee. And I get that. I understand that. I, I, I love coffee. But what I'm talking about is being really thirsty. Like, um, I can't, I just can't get enough. My, my body is so dry. If I don't have something to drink, I will die. How many of you have ever been that thirsty before. Okay, a few of you. Now, I think about, when I, when I start to think about being thirsty, uh, for me, I think about Saturdays in the summer. Saturdays in the summer, those are the days when I try to tackle every project that I can, all right? And so, normally, I enjoy running, and so on Saturday, I'll get out and I'll, and I'll run a little bit. And then when I get back home, immediately, I go to mowing the yard. Now, now some people, they don't, they don't enjoy that, but I love to do yard work. I, I love mowing the grass, okay? I love trimming the grass. I love blowing the grass. I love putting down fertilizer and the weed control, cleaning up around the yard. I, I don't know why. I just I love to do that. And then once, that, once that's done, then immediately the cars need to be washed. And you've got to clean the outside, and you've got to clean the inside. And then once that's done, then you have to turn your attention to the, the garage. And, and those of you that have kids, you understand what it takes to continue to be able to park your car in the garage, right? And so we've got to get in there, and you've got to clean um, the, the garage up and and then after that, there's this project to do and this, this project that's on the task list. And so, you know, I'm just one of those people that once I get started on something, I, I don't, I don't want to stop. I just want to try to get everything checked off the list. And so it might be 100 degrees outside, and it might be super humid, and I'm just going to keep on working and working until I'm done. Matter of fact, my wife, Pam, she'll come out and she'll say, are, are you not done yet? What, what have you been doing? Have you, have you even had anything to drink? 
And it's at that point that I realized, man, I, I'm hot. You know, I'm, I'm just drenched in sweat, and, and I'm thirsty. And so I will take that, that water, I'll take maybe a Gatorade, and I'll just begin to gulp it down. You know, you, you ever drink so much that you feel sick? You were just so thirsty. You, you drank so much that it looks, it looks like you've put on a few. You're just taking in so much water. And, and that's what I do. And shame on me. I, I, I have to do that because I, I've neglected it. My body needed it. I'm thirsty. See, God has given us a, a desire to be thirsty when, when our bodies need water so, so that our thirst will be quenched. And if you think about it, you might quench that thirst for a little while, but ultimately, just within the short future, you're going to need it again. You, you need it. You need water just every, every so many days because your body craves that. You can't live without it. That, that thirst is never quenched. And so this morning, as we look here at John chapter 4, uh, Jesus is going to have an encounter with a woman and he is going to talk about a type of water that, that when you drink it, you will never thirst again. So look with me here at John chapter 4, and we're going to start right here in verse 1. It says that when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard uh, he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and he went again to Galilee. And so just kind of put the context in here. At, at this early point in Jesus' ministry, Jesus is becoming more and more popular. And he's drawing more and more attention. And, and the religious leaders of the day, they didn't like it. They were incre increasingly becoming concerned with Jesus and what he was teaching and the miracles that he were doing and, and, and the crowds that were, that were following him. And, and Jesus, because he's God, he understands, hey, now is not the time to have this public confrontation with these religious leaders of the day. And so he, he withdraws to Galilee, basically to to let things cool down in, in Jerusalem. Now let's pick up here in, in verse 4. He said he had to travel through Samaria. And so he came to a town of Samaria to, called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. Now I want you to notice the statement that he had to travel through Samaria. Now, if you're just reading your Bible and, and you come across that, you might miss the real meaning here because our, our translation can make it sound like, well, you know, he had to travel through Samaria to get to Galilee. But, but the real meaning is he had to go. He had to go. Basically, he had a divine appointment. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn all the way to the back, okay? If you have your Bibles, most of your Bibles have these things in the back called maps. And you've probably wondered, why are those back there? 
Well, it's for times like these. It's to help you to understand what's happening here. And if you have a map back here in your Bible, and if you don't, let me just kind of give you the, the finger visuals here. Let's say Jerusalem is right here, okay? Well, directly north of Jerusalem is Samaria. And directly north of Samaria is Galilee. That's what it, that's what it looks like. And, and Galilee is where Jesus is going. Now, if you're just looking at your map and you're just reading this, it, 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 it seems like, okay, Jesus has got to go from here to here. And so he's, you know, that would, that would seem reasonable that, that he's going to have to travel that way. But the reality is the Jews hated the Samaritans so intensely that they literally would go around Samaria to get up here to Galilee. And the reason for this is because the Samaritans were the result of, of intermarriage between Jews and Gentiles. What took place, if you go back in history, you had Israel... And Israel was divided into two different kingdoms at one point in their history, the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And then there was another point in history where Assyria over here comes in and they conquer the northern kingdom. And what Assyria would do is when they came in and they conquered a place, they would take a good bit of that conquered place's population, take them back to Assyria, and then bring a bunch of Assyrians and put them into that place that they conquered. And so over time, what began to happen was intermarriage. You had Jews who intermarried with Gentiles, which resulted not only in blended nationalities, but also blended worship. And because of these mixed marriages, because of this corrupt religion, the Jews, they, they just treated the Samaritans with with disgust and, and for centuries there's just this hostility there was this contempt that had grown between the two groups and, and the Jews they thought the Samaritans were just these horrible defiled people and, and they hated their land and they would literally go around to get to where they were going but Jesus I want you to see here because of God's providence he was divinely appointed to go through Samaria. And it says here in verse 16 that worn out from the journey, Jesus sits down at the well, and it's about noon. And so Jesus is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And he's walking, and just like everybody else, he's walking for hours, and, and he's tired as he goes up through Samaria. And verse 7 here, it says, a woman of Samaria came out to, to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to this woman, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it you, a, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans, as we've talked about. Now, now again, the time, noon, that's, that's significant. As women of that day, they would come out 
uh, especially in the hotter times of the year, they're not drawing water at this time. They're, they're normally coming out early or later, just as much as you've, uh, this summer, if you get out and you're going to do some outdoor activities, you're going to do some exercise, you're probably going to do that either earlier or later. Uh, this woman was not doing that. It was noon, it was hot, and, and she's drawing water, and we'll see the, the significance of this in, in just a moment. But here's the first thing that I want you to see and understand as we look at this today, is that Jesus wants to have an encounter with you today. Jesus seeks an encounter with you. Now, looking at this account, notice that Jesus purposely, he went to this point at this time in this location to have a, a personal encounter with this particular woman because she needed Jesus. And so as we come in here this morning, this Sunday during the summer, and as we gather to, to worship, we need to understand and come in with the mindset that Jesus wants to have an encounter with us today. And you may come in on Sunday mornings, and you know, it may be like an obligation. You know, I come in, it's Sunday, I come in, I do my hour, I sit in the service, I listen to the message, I listen to the music, and then, and then I'm done, and I go back to my life. But understand that as we gather for worship this morning, it is so much bigger than that. Because Jesus wants to have an encounter with you. You see, nobody here this morning, and, and hear me in this, especially if it's your very first time in church today. No one here is here today by accident. Jesus purposely wants to have an encounter with you today. And Jesus purposely sought out this woman to expose her greatest need because God loved her and, and notice that he comes to her personally and I want to tell you just likewise Jesus is after your heart and he's after your worship and he's after your joy and he loves you and he wants to make you whole let's look here at verse 10 it says Jesus answered if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And so Jesus, who is the best teacher ever, is basically taking something that she understands. Hey, you're thirsty. Hey, you need a drink to help her to begin to understand a spiritual reality. Verse 11, sir, said the woman. You don't even have a bucket. And, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? So she's saying, uh, okay, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I'm not drawing the, the, the parallel here. What are you talking about? Because you don't even have a bucket to, to get this water that's here. Verse 12, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well. He drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water, he's talking, looking at the well, will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him 
will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Look at verse 15. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to, to draw this water. And so Jesus is he's, he's talking about this living water. And he understands this woman, she, she doesn't want to be here. She doesn't want to be at this well, especially at this time, especially at noon. She's tired of every day having to come here at this time and to draw water from this well. But you have to. Because you're continuously thirsty, especially in this environment. And so Jesus begins to paint the picture that I can offer you something that will completely quench your thirst. That will provide full satisfaction. You'll never be thirsty again. Verse 16. Go call your husband, he, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man that you have uh, now is not your husband. What you have said is true. So look here, you, we saw the humanity of Jesus earlier. He's tired, he's worn out from the journey, and now we see the omniscience of Jesus because he's God. He's 100% God, 100% man, and he knows everything about this woman's life, and he begins to expose a very real need that she has. And that's the second thing that I want you to see as we look at this passage, is that Jesus exposes a, a spiritual need. You see, you, you look at this account, and this woman, she, she didn't know it when she got up this morning. She didn't know that she was going to come to this well, this place that she has to come to, and that she was going to come into contact with, that she was going to meet face to face the Messiah, the Son of God. She wasn't seeking him, but he was seeking her. And some of you are here this morning, and, and you have a need, and, and, and perhaps you're here because what, maybe it's just what you do. It's Sunday, and so you go to church. Perhaps you're here this morning because someone invited you. And we're glad that you're here. But whatever the, the reason, Jesus is purposely seeking you today, and he knows your need. He understands your heart. And you see, every single one of us, all of us are thirsty we all thirst for something. Um, some of us try to quench that thirst maybe through career. Uh, for some, maybe it's achievements. For some, it's, it's um, hobbies. You know, for others, maybe it's material things. I have a thirst, and so in order to quench that, I go out and, and I try to get the right things. I try to accumulate the best things and uh, I, I want to fill this, this void, and so I get online, and I buy, or I go to the collar dealership, and I buy, or I go to the store, and I buy. 
for some, maybe it's uh, they try to quench the thirst through, through food or, or through drink. For this woman, she tries to quench her thirst with relationships. And we see here she was turning to, to man after man to try to find you know, comfort and, and satisfaction. One bad relationship after another. You know, for others, maybe it's maybe it's pornography, maybe it's maybe it's substance, um, maybe it's even your spouse, maybe it's even your children. You know, and as great as great as our spouses and 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 our families are, they they were not made to provide that satisfaction that only Jesus can provide for us. And one of the things that you've already figured out, if you've been there before, if that's you, whatever it is that you try to, to feel, to, to put into your heart to fill that void, it, it's always going to be there. That thirst is always going to be there. Everything that we turn to just continues to leave us longing for more and more and more. Matter of fact, um, you go back to the, to the Old Testament, it's really interesting uh, back to the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and there you, you have King Solomon, and he's talking about this. He's talking about how he, he, is, he has this, this need, and he's been trying to quench this. And, and back in chapter 2, he, he lists all of the things that he does to try to silence, you know, that internal craving that you have to, to be satisfied, to be filled up. And, and what Solomon tells us there, you should go back and read it, he, he, he says, I, I've tried everything. <laughs> I mean, I, he literally tried everything, and yet, here's what he's found. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, here's verses 10 and 11, it says, All that my eyes desired, think about this, all that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in my struggles, and this was my reward for my struggles. Here's what he found. He said, When I considered all that I had accomplished, and what I had a labor to achieve, I found everything to be futile. Just a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Solomon says, I, I tried it all. Nothing filled me up. And Jesus says that the only thing that will satisfy that will quench the thirst in your life is him. Now you look here at John chapter 4, you look at this conversation again. This, this woman has been divorced how many times? Five times. And, and, and now she is, is living with a, another man whom she is not married. Now culturally you have to understand that at this time, women, they, they were not very high on the social hierarchy, okay? Women could not divorce men. Only men could divorce women. And so the fact that she has been divorced five times means that five different times in her life she has been discarded. And, and you can just imagine just the hurt, the emptiness as, as this woman who one, two, three, four, 
five different times has been discarded. She's been with a man who has rejected and discarded her. And now she's living with another man and she's still trying to quench this thirst. No good guy is going to marry this woman. And so now she's just with a man she's living with. And, and Jesus knows exactly what's going on in her life. And, and understand this because this is such a great truth about Jesus. When, when he speaks truth into our lives, listen to me, he doesn't do it to condemn us. When Jesus is, is, is bringing us truth into our lives, he, he does it to, to bring us face to face with our sin and to expose our spiritual thirst. He, he didn't bring this up to this lady to judge her. He didn't bring this up to this lady to, to make her feel like garbage. She already felt like garbage. He brings this to expose her spiritual thirst, to understand, hey, you're looking for it for, through every other thing to try to quench and to try to satisfy this thirst, and, and you're always going to come up wanting. You see, he's not surprised. And, and, and I think that that should... We need to understand that, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're dealing with right now, whatever you're trying to do to fill that void, Jesus understands your heart. And he understands what's going on in your life. And when he confronts those issues in your life, he doesn't do that to condemn you. He does that so that you will see that there's a problem. And that he is the answer because he loves you. And that's why we see here, here's the third thing that we see, is that he offers living water. This woman asked Jesus in verse 11, so, so where do you get this? Where do you get this living water? You're talking about living water, I don't have to do this anymore. What does this look like? And, and, and her question, that's, that's a question that we ask all of us at some point. How do I find, how do I find that which, which will bring satisfaction in my life? I know you've asked it. Whether you've verbalized it or not, because every single one of us, our life is a pursuit of something to satisfy our thirst. It is. You know, whether you're a, a student or you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a uh, a business owner, you're a mechanic, you're an engineer, whatever it may be, the decisions that you make in your life over the long haul are, are towards finding some type of satisfaction in your life. And Jesus says here in verse 10 that we find living water by coming to him. He is the living water. Only through him are we going to find this satisfaction that we are so desperately looking for. And he repeats this again in verse 14. He says, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be what? Thirsty again. And the solution is, it's that simple. Um, but even though it's that simple, we're often convinced that we can do it ourselves. We're often convinced that, well, if this is going to happen, 
then I'm going to have to make it happen. If I'm going to be happy, if I'm going to be satisfied, I'm going to have to make that happen. Ultimately, we think that, well, we got to do it on our own because we know what's best for us. And only, only we, only me, can, can understand my need and what's going on in, in my life. And I'm the best one to supply it because we, we, we don't want to concede that, that we need help. And, and here's the problem. Is that sadly, there are so many people who go through life trying to fill up on this and this and this and this and, and not finding the satisfaction that's there, but just finding the consequences that are there and trying to do this and this and this and this instead of turning to the one who provides that living water. And, and let me tell you, that is the essence of sin. It is trying to pursue satisfaction in everything else but God. You, you see, sin is not fundamentally a, you know, checking off certain moral boxes. Like, well, today I didn't, I didn't curse, I didn't lie, I didn't steal, I didn't cheat. Now, it is, it is seen in those things, but it is also seen in pride and self-reliance. And apathy. Anytime we pursue satisfaction in something other than God, we commit idolatry. See, because we're trying to give that thing our hearts. We're looking to that thing to supply the needs that we have. We're looking to that thing to answer the questions that we have. We're looking to that thing to give our hearts and our lives to, to do what only God can do. Now, don't misunderstand. God's not opposed to your, your happiness. He's not opposed to you having satisfaction. Matter of fact, he made you to pursue genuine happiness and, and satisfaction and joy, but to do it in the one, the only one, who can provide that. He designed you to find true delight in him. And Jesus makes it clear to this Samaritan woman that joy and satisfaction can only be found in him. And, and just like the Samaritan woman, look here at this fourth point. Jesus promises you lasting satisfaction. I want you to look closely at Jesus' promise to this woman here in verse 14. If she will turn to him, if she will ask if she will drink of this living water, that her thirst will be quenched. But, but look, the, the promise doesn't end there. It, it continues. Not only is her thirst quenched, but she also will continue to have access, never-ending access to this living water. It's going to become a spring of water that is continually flowing within her. She will never need to be desperate again. And we know never need to be desperate again. We turn to Jesus, we discover in him that, that fulfilling, that satisfying source of spiritual nourishment that, that we so desperately long for and we just drink and drink and drink again. That spring always flows. You know, and here's the thing, as we, as we demonstrate the 
the surpassing worth of Christ, we, we, we do that when we, when we reject all those other empty wells that are out there. When we reject all those other empty pleasures, all those other empty gains, but, but man, you, you make a statement, your life makes a statement about Jesus when you do that and you look to him as your complete satisfaction and fulfillment. You understand that? Your, your life says something about the value of Jesus. Um, but someone who constantly, someone who's constantly trying to go here and here and here and drink from this well and drink from this well says, you know what? That, that person's life says, Jesus doesn't really satisfy Jesus promises you lasting satisfaction. Only he can quench your thirst. And so stop trying to be satisfied from all these other wells. And look to him. He offers living water. And and here's the final thing that I want to say to you this morning. Is that he saves you from your sin. You see, a little later on in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, he writes in in Romans chapter 3, and he tells us that all of us, every single one of us are sinners. And all of us fall short of what? Of the glory of God, right? And all of us stand guilty before a, a holy God, and we are subject to his Judgment. Well, here in verses 16, 17, 18, Jesus, he, he's going to focus this woman's attention on, on, on the sin that makes her guilty before God. She's, she's an adulteress. She is living in immorality, but, but really her problem is not the particular sin. It, it is that she is a sinner. She has sinned against God, and she's living in rebellion against him and until she understands that until she understands her sin and the consequence of that sin she's not going to long for the salvation that Jesus offers you see the gospel without a recognition of sin is really not gospel at all you know, without an awareness of our, our standing before God, that we are sinners, we're, we're guilty, we're rebels, we deserve eternal punishment, well, then grace is really meaningless. We're sinners, we're condemned, we're helpless, we're in need of rescue. And thank God that he has sent his son, Jesus, to provide that rescue. To save us of our sin. Matter of fact, as you read through the book of John, that's the message of the gospel of John. It is the message of of salvation. It is the message that Jesus is the Messiah and that those who believe in him and who he is and who he says he is will find eternal life. He's the rescuer, the son of God. And that's Jesus' message to this woman. And once she arrived at that understanding that she was a sinner, she needed to understand that Jesus was there to save her. Look, real quick, earlier in the conversation, verse 10, Jesus, he's telling her about this living water. He pointed out her need, and he also provides the solution. Go back to verse 10. He says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who is saying to you, give me a drink, 
you would ask him and he would give you living water. You see, salvation from her sin, it was only possible as she came to a right understanding of who he was and what he had come to do. She needed to understand he was the Messiah. He was the Son of God who had come to rescue her. You see, no one can be saved apart from Jesus Christ. Acts Acts 4, verse 12 says, There is no other name by which we can be saved. And that is Jesus. He is the all-sufficient. He is the only Savior that we need. There's nothing else out there. There's no other well out there that is going to provide that. Salvation only comes through faith in him. It comes through trusting in who he is and trusting in what he's done in his life and in his death and his resurrection on our behalf. See, when Jesus points out this woman's sin, you know, really her first thought is she needs to go to Jerusalem. She needs to go worship there at, at the temple. She thought, like, like a lot of people do, well, well it's, if I'm going to have salvation, it's something I need to go and do. It's something I'm going to need to go and earn. I've got to go to the temple. I've got to do something over there. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Salvation is not something you do. It's something that God has done for you. God saves us. And beginning in verse 12, he, he tells her, he says, you know, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain in Jerusalem or in Jerusalem, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You know, many times these verses, uh, they're, they're interpreted as, as talking about what we do as when we come together on Sunday mornings, what we do in, in, in worship. But, but I think that there's more to this. Because the context here is not a worship service, but it is an explanation of salvation to someone who is not a Christian. And, and so notice the words, in spirit and truth that you see over and over in those verses. To worship God in spirit and in truth, it it means that, number one, we understand who Jesus is. We understand what he's done, and we've received his spirit. He's describing salvation. This is what salvation is, that, that we turn from the lies and the errors of this world and that we embrace the truth about Jesus and what he has done, and we receive his spirit. Jesus is saying, hey, I've come to bring salvation. And, and then true salvation is, is what makes people true worshipers of the one true God. They, they've turned from self-worship. They've turned from self-reliance. They've turned from pursuing all these other wells that are out there. And they've turned in obedience and allegiance, trusting in Christ for salvation that only he can provide. That full satisfaction, that eternal life and that's the only way that salvation and reconciliation with God comes is by trusting in who he is and trusting in what he's done on our behalf we turn from all these other wells and and we and we drink of the living water we are fully and finally quenched you pray with me this morning as, as we enter into a, 
a time of worship. For some of you, you this morning you need to follow the Spirit's leading and, and, and trust in Jesus for salvation and experience satisfaction in Him. And this is what Jesus is offering this morning as He seeks you. It is, is that, that He invites you to ask Him for this living water of eternal life. And there are many here this morning who, following this time, they, they would love to, to sit with you and take God's word with you and show you what that looks like. And I want to invite you to that. And, and, and Christian, let, let, me, let me simply ask you, where are you seeking fulfillment? D does your life, does it show evidence of being satisfied in Christ? What, what, does your, what does your life, what do your pursuits say about the value of Jesus. Father, thank you for your word that is, is true. Thank you that you loved us, that you purposely pursued us. Thank you that you expose our need and you provide for us in only the way that you can. Help us to desire and to pursue our satisfaction, our, our joy in nothing else but you. And I pray that you would help us to respond obediently to your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name.